Welcome to the Saturday Cadence Podcast, your ultimate destination for all things college football. I am your host, Blake Biscardi, and our podcast is a must-listen for avid fans, casual enthusiasts, and anyone looking to immerse themselves in the thrilling world of college football. Join myself and David Wertheim as we guide you through the intricacies of college football, offering valuable insights, analysis, and captivating discussions while keeping you up to date with the latest news and recruiting developments. We go beyond the headlines, which is what separates our show from other college football outlets. Our podcast is not just about news and analysis, it's also about the people behind the game. That's right, it's about you, the fan. We bridge the gap between fan and fame. Join us and embrace the thrill, excitement, and strategic brilliance that define college football. Tune in, stay informed, and be a part of the conversation that shapes the sport we all love. I'm Blake Biscardi, and remember, the Saturday Cadence Podcast is the heartbeat of college football. The stage is set, and it just so happens to be as big as it gets on Saturday in Ann Arbor for undefeated Ohio State and undefeated Michigan. The energy is palpable for the game and huge matchups in the Pac-12 and other showdowns across the map as we bring you the Rivalry Week preview and pick show. Welcome to the heartbeat of college football. Blake Biscardi and David Wertheim with you for the 62nd episode of the Saturday Cadence Podcast, part of the Silver Bulletin Network. David, real quick, let's drive through some Week 12 games, what we saw Washington and Texas both won difficult road games in Corvallis and Ames. And then Georgia handled Tennessee. That was, we thought, maybe a trap spot for Tennessee earlier in the season. But we both saw right through that orange facade. Georgia ran away with it. Any big takeaways from last week's games before we get to this week? No, I think it was about what we expected. Texas going on the road and winning. Uh, Washington with a really nice win. You you mentioned a lot that might be a trap game. They were able to overcome the elements out there in Corvallis and win that game. Ohio State wins big. Georgia wins big. Michigan struggles against Maryland. But obviously the tables have turned from last week to rivalry week. So excited to break it all down. Yeah, let's do it. And right before that, let's hit some Heisman talk real fast. So we see Bo Nix is kind of running away with this award. If you talk to some people, just as the best quarterback here, Michael Penix has slid behind someone like Marvin Harrison Jr. And then you have Jaden Daniels. Now, it depends what you value in the Heisman race. If you solely go off of performance, maybe he's one or two on your board. If you go off of best player on the best team, he might sit there behind Marvin Penix at four. So when you look at this Heisman race, how do you shake this out right now heading into rivalry week where now these top teams begin to play each other? And this is where that separation happens because whoever wins these games is going to be one and two in that Heisman race between hopefully we think we see Washington and Oregon play. So that quarterback and then if Marvin Harrison or J.J. McCarthy, whoever wins that game will then catapult toward the top as well. Yeah, I think that sounds about right. I think you have it in the order that I would have it. I, I would say Bo Nix is probably the favorite right now. I know a lot of people are talking about how he gets a lot of his yards, you know, after the catch and whatnot and, and kind of a stat pattern for that reason. I'm not so sure I agree with that. And I think if you look at a lot of Heisman quarterbacks over the years, you'll see some similarities like that. Um, I agree that I think, you know, this weekend's games and, and potentially next weekend's games loom large. Marvin Harrison has a chance to cement his at the very least, uh, finish in the top three. Um, J.J. McCarthy with a chance to get back in it after a couple of weeks of less than stellar numbers. 
And then we, you know, the, the Jaden Daniels enigma here, that is the LSU offense is really good. The team itself is not that great. You know, what do you value? I'm not so sure that I value, you know, those big numbers without a lot of wins. Some people will, I could see it either way. So, you know, one of the, one of the more interesting years of Heisman discussion, I think this year, a lot of people thought Caleb Williams had a chance to go back to back. Obviously that's not going to happen now. So we'll see somebody new once again, Archie Griffin's record is safe and, you know, it'll be an interesting last couple of weeks to decide who wins it. Yeah, when you look at Jaden Daniels, that's the last thing I'll say before we move on is I think he's a phenomenal player. He's a great playmaker. He's a good quarterback. I think, though, like you mentioned, that defense not being as good as some of the other defenses with the other contenders, he has to play longer into the game and they have to score more points because they can't stop anybody. So that gives a little bit of stat padding. And I know it's padding in quotes because LSU needs those points. Versus a guy like Bo Nix, he's playing, you know, the half into the third quarter against Portland State or whatever the case may be. But LSU needs those points in those games. So that contributes to Daniel's stats being so big. But, David, let's go into Ohio State Michigan real quick. We recorded, guys, a preview show, especially for Ohio State Michigan. We break everything down. We give you the keys to the game here, some matchups to watch. But we're going to touch on it in this show really quickly. The biggest stat I want to give you that stands out to me since 2001, whoever has won the rushing battle wins the game. So Ohio State has won 18 times, let's say. They've won that rushing battle all 18. Michigan, those other three, four wins, they've won the rushing battle then. So this year, that's the key. That's where you have to look in this matchup. That's the indicator for who's going to win between Ohio State and Michigan. We talk about it in the show. All four running backs are great. That room is a wash. I don't give an edge to either side. Ohio State, Travion Henderson, and Chip Trainum. Michigan, you have Blake Corum and Donovan Edwards, similar style backs. I think you're going to see a lot of production out of the backfields. At least the teams are going to need to in that matchup. David, how do you how do you see this matchup playing out in the backfield? Then what are some of your touch points? Yeah, no, I agree. I think, you know, the rushing battle is so important, especially for Michigan, who has appeared one dimensional the last couple of weeks. They've really struggled to throw the ball. J.J. McCarthy potentially dealing with some physical issues. Um, and, and Michigan said the last couple of weeks, look, we're just going to run the ball and dare you to stop us. And it's hard to run on Ohio State. You see it every year. There's always that top back, whether it's Braylon Allen. You know, you've seen it with uh, Saquon Barkley. Uh, so many different backs over the years that have had really good seasons and then struggled to run on Ohio State. I think Michigan is going to have to run on Ohio State. Their pass protection, especially on the left side, has been sus. And then we talked about McCarthy as well, kind of struggling here the last couple of weeks. So going to be interesting. I think the rushing battle will decide who wins and loses this game. Um, I'm not sure Ohio State needs to definitely win the rushing battle to win the game. I think Michigan does. Um, so we'll see. Yeah, I, I certainly think that's a big storyline. And then, of course, going off that, the offensive lines are going to be a big storyline as well. Ohio State's, as we touched on in the other show, has been inconsistent. Michigan's, once again, a Joe Moore finalist. But they've had their own issues this year, especially with pass protection. So um, the offensive line and the backfield will certainly be under a microscope for both teams. David, I want you to expand on one point. You mentioned offline to me that this game could set up similar to the Ohio State-Penn State game for really Ohio State-Michigan here, but more so talking about Ohio State, you're saying maybe they don't have to win the rushing battle and they go against this stat. Expand on that point and why you think that way. And I have a feeling it's going to have to do with Marvin Harrison Jr., 
Yeah, I mean, I just think Ohio State has other ways of moving the ball. I think they can move it in the passing game with Harrison, with Cade Stover, with Emeka Ibuka. They can throw it to their backs. I think Michigan struggles with that a little bit more. They don't have a playmaker like Harrison. Obviously, he didn't really matter last year, but we know why that is now. Uh, Roman Wilson, still a great player, just not on the level of Harrison. They're tight ends, nobody on the level of Kate Stover. So I think Ohio State just has better playmakers out there. And I think, you know, it's going to enable them to do some things that Michigan just can't do. But that's not to say that these Michigan wide receivers aren't talented. Obviously, Roman Wilson has been there before. They've got plenty of guys who have been there before. Um, and their offensive line is is excellent as always. So, you know, until Ohio State beats Michigan, it's going to be Michigan's game to lose. I think that, you know, it's kind of flipped the last couple of years. And while Ohio State does have the edge with the playmakers, uh, you know, I could see Michigan totally stymieing that once again and winning this game. So a lot of storylines to cover this week and, and up until noon on Saturday uh, when we get another historic edition of the game. Maybe the most historic edition will get the rest of its tenure with just knowing how much is at stake before this expanded playoff. I certainly agree with you there. And the energy is palpable before the game. You can feel it. But guys, David and I recorded a 30-minute preview special, everything you need to know for this game. We go in-depth, break it all down for you. Encourage you to go listen to that available on Apple or Spotify. And you can find the link to that on all of our social media outlets. So David, let's move on here. One other point from last week is Jordan Travis, the quarterback at Florida State, went down in a horrific leg injury. So again, we send our well wishes and thoughts and prayers with him to make a speedy recovery. He is rolled out for the season. But Florida State now sitting there with needing a backup quarterback, Tate Rotomaker. Now they're high on him in Tallahassee, so he can make those plays. The only precedent that we've seen, as we mentioned on the other show, is Ohio State in 2014 playing with a backup of JT Barrett all year who gets hurt and third string Cardell Jones has to come in and win games. Now, I think because the field is so crowded, Florida State has to do what Ohio State did. They have to leave no doubt. I think those three words will be the key for Florida State against Florida and against Louisville. They have to leave no doubt that they're still one of the four best teams in the country, four most deserving teams in the country to get to this playoff. So that's my path for the Knowles to get to this playoff. Do you see another way they get in, or do you think they're not going to be able to overcome this injury there with Jordan Travis being out? No, I, I think if they if they win out, if they can beat Florida and they can beat Louisville, I think they still have a good chance of getting in. I, I'm not so I'm not sold on you know the logic that just because your quarterback goes down, if you can still win out, to me, you're you know those are two pretty tough teams. Florida obviously a down year, Louisville's been great, but if you can win both of those games, you know in my mind, I would still say that Florida State is one of the best four teams. Um, so Tay Rotomaker definitely going to be a challenge. Challenge. He looked pretty good, albeit against an FCS team, North Alabama. Um, but he was able to come back in that game and, and really play well there in the second half and once he got the action. So um, I think they just got to win out, see where the chips fall. But I would have a tough time putting one of those one-loss teams ahead of an undefeated Florida State, even with a backup quarterback. That's the other ace in the whole Florida State would have, is it's really difficult to argue that zero in the loss column. And we saw that when Cincinnati got into the playoff. You know, if we ever saw a group of five team get in, they had to be undefeated and they needed power five wins. If Cincinnati had lost one of those games, they didn't have a path to the playoff. This is similar for Florida State. If they keep that zero in the loss column, that's the way that they get into the four. Because you, they, they did what they were asked. They won all of the games on their schedule and they can't control the level of play that they're getting from their competition. So let's go to a couple scenarios here. What bodes better for Florida State? 
Georgia or Alabama winning the SEC. I think where it can get muddy is if we have the undefeated teams lose to a one-loss team, and then you have this whole pool of one-loss teams instead of having a handful of undefeated champions. Do you like retro apparel with vintage logos, or do you prefer more current? Either way, Homefield has you covered. They pride themselves on celebrating the history and tradition of colleges and universities across the nation while also highlighting the present day. With over 150 schools to choose from, check out Homefield for all your apparel needs this season. Whether it's a t-shirt, hoodie, or loungewear, Homefield is the only place you should shop for your favorite college apparel. Use code CADENCE at checkout to receive 15% off your first order today. Yeah, I think I think Florida State, their best scenario here would be Washington beating Oregon, staying undefeated. Georgia beats Alabama, staying undefeated. And then obviously you get the Ohio State-Michigan winner. And then if Florida State stays undefeated, they take that fourth spot. I mean, I think it's pretty simple. Um, obviously, Big 12 still involved with Texas over there and whatnot. But I still think an undefeated Florida State gets in over any one-loss team. So, yeah, I think they, they want those, those undefeated teams that are currently undefeated to keep winning. Obviously, the loser of Ohio State and Michigan by default has a loss, um, and the winner will be likely undefeated after they play Iowa in the Big Ten championship game. So, yeah, I think for for Florida State, they they want Georgia to keep winning. They want whoever wins this Ohio State Michigan game to beat Iowa, um, and then they want uh, whatever that last game is that I already said that I just slipped my mind. Washington Texas beating Oregon, yeah, yeah, they want Washington to beat Oregon and stay undefeated there, and I think. Those outcomes give Florida State the best chance of grabbing that fourth spot. Yeah, so we won't live too much in the world of fantasy and hypotheticals. We'll stick to the facts here. So we'll handle all that college football playoff scenario stuff as that becomes available to us after we see this week's games. Let's roll into now the circle of Pac-12, getting closer as the season goes on, and Washington has yet to lose. Oregon still going strong. Arizona now making a final push. Those three teams still in contention for the Pac-12 title. Washington, like we said, held off Oregon State. And then we look at a team like USC. You mentioned earlier, everyone thinking Caleb Williams would go back-to-back in the Heisman race. And now USC finishes the year 7-5 and five after dropping their final game of the regular season to UCLA. So, David, your biggest takeaway so far from the Pac-12, what's more surprising, that we're sitting here with Washington undefeated or that USC has slid to 7-5? and five? I'm very surprised that USC is seven and five. I think everyone knew they had a suspect defense. I don't think people thought they would be seven and five and get blown out by UCLA in their last game. UCLA with kind of a lame duck head coach there with Chip Kelly on his way out, allegedly. Um, So, yeah, I don't think anybody expected that. Washington, on the other hand, you knew they'd get Michael Penix back. People were talking about him before the year. I think it is a surprise that they're undefeated right now, but I don't think it's as big of a surprise as USC being seven and five. I mean, there's no way to sugarcoat that. I think there's a lot of people in Southern California talking right now about Lincoln Riley and, you know, the move that he made coming over from Oklahoma and the results just haven't been there. So I think next year's a big year for Lincoln Riley first year in the big 10. We'll see how it goes. Um, but, but there's some trouble down there in Southern California. Yeah, there, there certainly is. And we'll see what Lincoln Riley does. Maybe Jim Leonard there at defensive coordinator is a move Lincoln Riley needs to make. I know from talking to people out there that, USC people are not happy with the job Lincoln Riley has done, especially moving to the Big Ten where you need to have a competent defense no matter what, because if you want to compete at the top end of that conference, especially in this era of expansion, you have to have a competent defense. You can't just run with smaller offensive linemen and a dynamic quarterback 
and some good wide receivers. That's just not how it cuts. You have to run the football and play good defense in the Big Ten. So we'll see what happens in the offseason there with Lincoln Riley and USC with the staff. I don't anticipate him being fired at all. Maybe he takes a job in the NFL. Maybe he doesn't. But he's got some soul searching to do within that program to get it right heading into the Big Ten. So two more big games we have here in the Pac-12 this week. And David, we can parlay this into our picks here. The Apple Cup with Washington and Washington State. And then we have the Civil War with Oregon and, and Oregon State. So as we move into our picks here, let's preview these two games quickly and then give our picks. We'll start with the Civil War, Oregon State at Oregon. This game is in Eugene. The Ducks are favored by 13 and a half. Yeah, big spread for a rivalry game. Um, obviously, we'll get into our picks in a little bit, but Bo Nix has been hot. But that'll be a fun one. Bo Nix against DJU. A couple guys came from the South. Obviously, Bo Nix at Auburn first, and DJU now coming back from the West Co- to the West Coast after a stint at Clemson. So this should be a fun one. A lot of storylines. Obviously, you never know what will happen in a rivalry game. At Eugene helps the Ducks for sure. Um, so, yeah, should be a fun one. You have that, too, in Oregon State coming off that emotional loss at home to Washington. So how Oregon State responds in this game is going to be indicative, obviously, of if they can pull the upset or not, because you had that game at home. You're finishing with a tough back-to-back. They're the two best teams in the conference. If you wanted to make that leap and get to Las Vegas, you had to beat Washington and then Oregon. And unfortunately, it did not happen for Jonathan Smith's team, but they can still salvage their season and maybe stay in New Year's Six contention if they're able to get this victory. And then if you look just to the north here with the Apple Cup, the spread in this game is 16 and a half. So two big spreads in these games that we thought would be a lot tighter as the season's worn on here. Washington looks to stay undefeated, but they have to watch that this is not that trap game that Michigan dealt with last week between two viable opponents coming off that emotional road win against Oregon State and then potentially having Oregon or Arizona next week in the Pac-12 championship game. Like you said, anything can happen in a rivalry game. I think Washington needs to be careful in this matchup. Yeah, I mean, you always need to be careful, but this this feels like one that Washington gets gets pretty easily. I think they just have the talent advantage here, and I think they get it done. Obviously, you hope that on rivalry weekend you'll get some of those big-time matchups outside of Ohio State and Michigan, but I think this is one that Washington handles. We've been saying it all year. They're these top eight teams, we've been waiting for someone to lose, and it just has not happened. They have passed the test week after week, and that's not happened so far in the college playoff era to this level. We've had those two, three, maybe four teams that continue to pass the test and maybe not lose until they start to play each other there at the end in conference championships. But these top eight teams continue to win. It's going to be hard to pick against them this week with some of these larger spreads outside of Florida State and Florida and then Ohio State and Michigan. So, David, let's let's start with our picks here. Let's go with the Civil War. We'll start there in Eugene. Like I said, the spread's 13 and a half. Do you think the Ducks can cover that and get to Vegas? I do. I do. I think Oregon's been rolling here for a while. Um, I like them in this one. I think they get it done at home. I think Bo Nix goes out on a high note, and Oregon wins this one, covers the spread. Yeah, this game last year, Oregon blew a big lead, and Oregon State was able to come back and pull off some heroics. Oregon State coming off that loss to Washington. Logic tells me I want to pick Oregon because they've been rolling. They're at home. I'm going to take Oregon State to keep it within the number. I think Jonathan Smith has this program in the right mental state, all-encompassing, and they're able to keep this game within the number. They put up a good fight for four quarters. Oregon does eventually win that game. 
and get to Vegas to set up that rematch that we've been waiting since October. Now we'll head out to the Big 12 here. Texas Tech going in to Austin to play Texas. 12.5 is the number for the Longhorns at home. Again, no Jonathan Brooks, but Quinn Ewers and company passed that test last week. Xavier Worthy looks to be an X-factor again as Texas has to move the ball through the air. Yeah, I just don't think Texas Tech has enough to get this one done. I think Texas wins. I think they cover. And, you know, I think, Blake, we're going to see more of the the same from the top eight this week. Obviously, Ohio State and Michigan will play each other, but everybody else I'm feeling pretty confident about. I'm with you there. I mean, we know how it goes when I pick a game that involves Texas and really teams that have the color orange. I just do not fare well in those matchups for whatever reason. But I'm with you. I think Texas is able to win and cover at home. And uh, Quinn Ewers gets to the Big 12 championship game. And then we'll see his opponent. I know there's a lot of different scenarios there in the Big 12 with who they can play, Kansas State, Oklahoma State, multiple different scenarios. So we'll have more on that game next week. But let's look now at the Apple Cup in Washington. Washington State's coming to town as 16.5-point underdogs. How does Michael Penix fare in this matchup as he awaits the Pac-12 championship game? Yeah, I think Washington wins this one comfortably, but I do think Washington State keeps it within the number, whether that's a late cover or whatever the case may be. I do think Washington wins, but the Cougars are able to to keep it within the number somehow. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I think it's that sandwich game, like I mentioned earlier, for Washington coming off of the game in Corvallis, knowing the Pac-12 championship is clinched and they're going next week regardless of what happens. I don't think this game will be in doubt. I just think Washington State can keep it close and closer than 16 and a half. So I'll take the cover there. Now we will go to the Swamp. Florida hosting Florida State without Jordan Travis. Tate Rotomaker will get the start. The Knolls are favored by six and a half, so we get about a touchdown here. Are they able to cover that absent their star quarterback? Graham Mertz also out in this game for Florida. So this is a battle of backup quarterbacks. Yeah, I actually do think Florida State wins, and I think they cover. I think... They're still more talented than the Gators across the board, but another tough season for Billy Napier. I, I think they'll be motivated, the Gators will, and obviously Florida State will as well. But I think Florida State's able to cover and get this one done. I think they are too. The Swamp's a tough place to play. It will be a hostile environment, even though Florida is fighting for bowl eligibility, which who did we see or how who saw that coming? Mix my words there. Florida State able to get that cover on the road and get to the ACC championship game against Louisville undefeated with a chance to go to the final four. Now we'll look at the iron bowl in the sec Alabama favored by 14 and a half. They are playing Auburn. Can Auburn keep it close like they did against Georgia within the number, or do the tie continue to roll in this game on the back of Jalen Milrow? Yeah, you know, a lot of, I saw a lot of people talking this week on uh, Twitter about how Auburn's loss to New Mexico State means that this game will be closer. I don't know what the logic is there. I guess I, I get the, the reverse jinx or whatever you want to call it. Or the Jordan Hare magic. But Yeah, the Jordan Hare magic didn't show up last week, but, you know, maybe this week it will. I think Alabama rules here. I've been betting on them all year, and, and they've proved me right most of the time, and a lot of people were calling them dead. I never did, and here they are, a couple wins away from the playoffs once again. So I think they get it done this week, and it sets up that epic showdown with Georgia and Atlanta. Yeah, that we have to give you credit for for sure. I was playing devil's advocate here with Alabama because you were the whole season where you do not count out Nick Saban until Nick Saban is on the floor, and Nick Saban continues to not lay on the floor. He's got – 60 minutes to go to the playoff in the in the SEC championship game next week. I think they cover in this game as well. Milrow has a big day. I think it's interesting. 
in the first half. You know, it's just the nature of the Iron Bowl and and what that game means to both of those teams. I don't think Auburn has enough to slow down Jalen Milrow in the Alabama offense and Alabama, especially in the second half. Their defense just flips into another gear and they suffocate you. Auburn's not going to have enough. Alabama covers. And then two picks left here. We've got Kentucky at Louisville. The Cardinals favored by a full touchdown and an extra point. So seven points here. Can Louisville get that cover ahead of the ACC championship game? Maybe they're licking their chops a little bit, knowing they've got Florida State with a backup quarterback. Do they get caught looking ahead in this rivalry game, or do they handle their business and get there unscathed? Yeah, this is actually the toughest one for me, I think. I'm really not sure. I'm still not sure. I'm going to go out on a limb here. I'm going to take Kentucky to cover. Obviously, that seven gives me some room. I could see it going either way, though. Uh, this is going to be a tough one. And one of the games I'm really excited to watch. I think, you know, this rivalry means a lot to a lot of people. And, you know, Kentucky, regardless of how the rest of their season has gone, they're going to want to win this one really, really badly, especially with all the talk at Louisville's been getting this season. So I think it'll be a good one here at Louisville. Helps the cards, obviously. Jeff Brom, hometown, prodigal son. Um, but I think Kentucky's able to keep it within the number. Yeah, I think Jeff Brom's a strong coach of the year candidate for Louisville. But I'm with you. I, I really like the number that they gave here at seven. And I think Louisville could get caught looking ahead just given the nature of what's happening there in Tallahassee with Florida State. So I'm going to take Kentucky to cover, but Louisville to win in the game. And now I know we've given you this pick on the other show, so we'll give it to you again here. Ohio State at Michigan in Ann Arbor, undefeated 11-0 showdown between the Buckeyes and the Wolverines. This game is larger than life. It is a way of life. David, the spread is four and a half in the game. Give us again just a, a quick blurb before the game and then your pick. Yeah, I, I'm really not sure what to pick here either. I want to say Ohio State covers, but you know, at Michigan, it's always tough. That that spread gives me a little bit of room. I'm gonna take the Buckeyes to cover this one. Uh, we've talked about it at length, obviously, you know, on our other show. And I, I encourage everybody to listen to that, our game preview. Um, but, yeah, I think this game is going to be won and lost in the trenches. I think Michigan is going to have to establish the run. Ohio State's going to have to defend the run. And Ohio State's going to have to take care of the ball. Both teams really going to have to take care of the ball. But Ohio State especially can't afford big mistakes like they had last year. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to pick Ohio State to cover. We'll see how it goes. I'm very excited. Saturday at noon. Don't bother me for a few hours. Identical picks to the other show. I'm I'm with you. I've got Ohio State as well. I think we talk about it on the other show, but the the running back rooms, the quarterback, I think those cancel each other out pretty much. They're they're pretty even. Same thing. The defenses are both very good. Offensive line, defensive line. It's where you got to win the game. I think Cade Stover or Marvin Harrison Jr. They're the two X factors and difference makers for the Buckeyes that the other team does not have on that same level. I think if Ohio State can go to those guys, get them involved, it'll open up the run game. It will allow for the Buckeyes to cover and win the game outright in the end. Like David said, this is a huge game. The the buildup, the energy, the anticipation, everything. I mean, this is not a game you start looking at when you look at the schedule in August or September and you're sitting there like, oh, you know, I wonder what's going to happen. No, the clock's at triple zeros. Last year, and Michigan celebrating Ohio State's waiting to get back to this moment. They've done that for 365 days, spending that time revamping the offense and just doing a philosophy change on defense. The Buckeyes are there. They're going to be ready to play. Travion Henderson's hot. Those are the recipes 
four good Ohio State teams that can win on the road, especially in that rivalry game. So give me the Buckeyes. I like that take. I think that's a fair take. I think uh, so much talk, pomp, and circumstance around the game this year, and it's finally going to be settled Saturday at noon. So counting down the minutes. Yeah, the best answer will be the one that takes 60 minutes on the field and three Mm -hmm. hours on television. And we'll see that Saturday at noon on Fox, Gus Johnson and Joel Klatt on the call. All the preview shows will be in town. College game day, Fox big noon kickoff. Josh Pate will be there, and so will the Barstool Show. So the whole college football world will have its eyes on Ann Arbor for this matchup, and we'll see that one live from the big house. Yes, we will. We will see it live from the big house. Joel Klatt, Gus Johnson, looking forward to some Maserati Marv, hopefully. And uh, should be should be a good one, as always. Let's do a bonus pick here. Speaking of Maserati Marv, let's set the over-under at five and a half, David. How many times do we hear Gus Johnson go, Maserati Marv? on saturday <laughs> i think i think that's a good line i think uh i think you could see it hit the over in a half depending on how kyle <laughs> mccord plays so should be should be fun i like that that's his new shtick and i'm sure he'll have something special to break out for both teams really on saturday so it should be fun oh there there's no doubt both of those guys love this game gus johnson is a michigan man at heart so it's great for him to get the call here Huge matchup, guys. This is this is a lifestyle game. It's a legacy-defining game, and we're going to get to see it from Ann Arbor. So, David, any closing thoughts as we wrap up the show here today? No, no. I think we've, we've done a nice job of covering it. Blake, this has been an excellent uh, regular season, as always, here on Saturday Cadence. And uh, we've got a few more episodes to go in season and looking forward to some great football on Saturday. Hope you and your family have a great Thanksgiving and same to all our listeners out there. Hope it's a great holiday and a great weekend filled with awesome football. Absolutely. There's no doubt that it will be guys. Thank you so much for listening and supporting throughout the regular season. We've got our coverage continuing. We'll get postseason coverage, everything coming to you. Enjoy Thanksgiving with your families. Stay tuned to our coverage on social media at Saturday cadence on Instagram and Twitter or X and then at Saturday cadence pod on TikTok. We'll continue to bring you around the clock coverage of Ohio State, Michigan, and rivalry rivalry week in general. Guys, enjoy your Thanksgiving. Thank you for listening, and we will see you next week. For David Wertheim, I am Blake Muscardi. We will see you next time. Thank you for listening to today's show. If you enjoyed the episode, make sure you like and subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcast, and follow our coverage by tuning into our website, tsilverbulletin.com and following us on social media at tsilverbulletin on Instagram and Twitter, as well as at Saturday Cadence on Twitter. If you follow those social outlets, you will stay up to date with the latest recruiting news, the latest around college football, and the latest just touch points where we can post clips from the show and you guys can continue to digest content in any way that we can get it to you. Also, if you would share the show. We would greatly appreciate that as we continue to grow our audience. Again, thank you guys for listening.